At Lexia, we know literacy changes lives. As the gateway to the future for every student, literacy can boost their confidence and help them realize their full potential. Based on the science of reading, our literacy programs, along with all of those dedicated educators, can change the path of students' lives forever. We believe literacy can and should be for all. That's why at Lexia, we're all for literacy. G'day everyone, Lauren Cress, the business scientist here. I hope you're doing well in this second week of January. Just before we begin today's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connection with land, sea and community. I pay my respects to Elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples living and working on the land. (sighs) Guys, what a week. Fuck me. It's 2021. We thought, oh, maybe we'll be turning a corner and things will be getting better. But um, is anyone else sick of the news? Uh, I actually, I was thinking about this and um, I'm reading this book at the moment by Sarah Wilson, which I highly recommend uh, called This One Wild and Precious Life. And I'm just up to the part where she talks about the news and she's like, I do, you know, we can kind of feel like so overwhelmed that we just want to turn away from the news and that kind of might feel like the best thing. But she talks about sort of existing in this space where we can feel calm within ourselves but also feel angry and frustrated about the things that are happening in the world where we can be informed but still remain at peace with ourselves and I thought that was really interesting and she talked about sort of her rituals around consuming the news whilst not getting caught up in the drama which I thought was really cool and I highly highly recommend checking out a book like I said but the takeaway from me was sort of like really in the last week trying to understand what's going on uh, with curiosity and compassion and at the same time being able to, I mean, I'm in the middle of moving. I'm like recording this just as we're like packing up the last boxes in our house. (laughs) So there's all this stuff going on uh, in my personal life as well and then seeing the stuff that's happening in the States, obviously that's primarily what I'm referring to here. Um, But other things as well, you know, what's happening in Brisbane, um, what's happening in New South Wales, what's happening in in Australia, what's happening in the rest of the world. Um, It's interesting for me as someone who has a background studying science and highly regards critical thinking and reasoning it's really strange for me to to look at some of the things that are going on and empathize, I guess, with some of the things that I'm seeing out there. I'm just like, oh, this is like really, really irrational. And what's going on with these emotions? What's the payoff for people? And where I've gotten to at the moment is like when I see these like acts of violence and terrorism and these threats to democracy, I kind of think like, okay, like what's happening for people internally with this? Like for, for someone, like because I, I, I feel like it's really easy to empathise with people that agree with you, right? It's really em- easy to empathise with people who are like, yeah, that was a fuck thing that happened. That was really, really horrible. That was really bad. What are we going to do about this? That's easy. But what I'm trying to understand is like, 
what was going on for these people where they felt like it was okay to do this? You know, that's a much harder task. And it's not to condone anything. It's not to justify it in any way or say that it's okay. It's not even to not be angry. But I'm like, what we need to understand this. How do we understand what's going on for people? And that's actually something to bring it back to what this show is about, which is about promoting your business, promoting your brand, helping people by being of service to them. That's the same thing that we need to do with that. We need to empathize with people who have problems that we can solve. Um, And for me, in my journey at the moment, I'm at a point where a lot of you guys know I'm like doing counseling and things like that. And I just kind of, I feel like it's so important with the stuff that's happening with COVID, with the stuff that's happening with the environment and just the complete destruction of our future right now. I really feel like it's so important for us to be looking within ourselves and going, how can I look after myself? How can I, you know, like kind of putting the oxygen mask on ourselves first. Where am I at mentally? Where where do I feel in terms of, you know, am I burnt out? Do I have energy for other people? What's going on for me? And then starting to look outside of ourselves and going, what's happening for my fellow human beings? How can I really lean in to try to understand what's happening for my fellow human beings? And how can I also help protect our planet? How can I also help protect our planet that's going to be the thing that protects me? You know, like it kind of comes full circle back to us as well. So anyway, I just kind of wanted to start this podcast off by just acknowledging the shitstorm of the last week. Um, And, you know, this isn't a political show, but the deeper and deeper I dig into things, I'm kind of like but everything has some sort of um, some sort of relationship with with politics and power, right? Like, and I have this platform where I can speak uh, and I talk about the importance of science and rationality. And so I'm kind of exploring how that relates to business and how that relates to you guys and where I can be of most service because I'm in a really, really privileged and lucky position. To that end, next week I am going to be sharing with you my 100th episode of this podcast. And that podcast episode, I just recorded it yesterday, is my very good friend Holly Christensen. And we're talking about sort of like some of the themes I'm touching on here. I want to make a bit of a shift this year. So the 100th episode will be the first episode of Season 5. So four seasons a year, season five is like sort of our first season for 2021. And I really want to focus in this season on how our brand and how our business decisions have an impact on other people's lives and on our planet. One of the things that Holly and I talked about in this podcast, which you'll hear next week, is about how... As business owners, we kind of get two bites at the cherry because we can impact, we can have a a positive impact and a less negative impact on the environment, on the world, on other people through the choices we make as consumers and buyers. 
but we also have an impact based on the decisions we make for our business. So we have two opportunities to make a difference where a lot of people only have one. Um, so we'll be exploring that. And then from there, we'll be sort of looking at some other themes around that as well. We'll be talking about things like meditation. We'll be talking about things like thought leadership, which I often talk about on the show. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to be sharing that with you starting next week for episode 100. Today, I'm going to be sharing an interview I did a while back with Robin Kanji. Robin is a consultant um, and we talk about some of the big marketing myths that are out there. Some of the big problems that people are having when it comes to growing their brand and with connecting with their audience. We touch on a range of different topics. We talk about what you could be doing wrong in your content marketing and thought leadership strategy. We talk about the importance of knowing your strengths and weaknesses. We talk about how to collaborate and how to get along with your competitors. We talk about email marketing. Um, We talk about the importance of engaging like-minded people on Twitter. We talk about the importance of networking and much, much more. So I know you're going to get so much out of this episode, this final episode for season four. I hope you very much enjoy it. Uh, there might be a little ad break here and I will be back in a tick. Buy one, get one half off traditional Wing Tuesdays at Buffalo Wild Wings. Wing Tuesdays is the best day of my life every Tuesday. What about graduating valedictorian or the first day of your new job? I mean, those are all great, but they just weren't on a Wing Tuesday. Buy one, get one half off traditional wings every Tuesday only at Buffalo Wild Wings. To the greatest of all times. Buy one, get one of equal value, 50% off traditional wings on Tuesdays at participating locations. Not valid with other offers. Size exclusions may apply, while supplies last. Limit one, delivery and takeout available at participating locations through Buffalo Wild Wings app or website. Fees, including service fees, may apply. Super excited, as always, to have an awesome guest today for you, Robin Kanji from over in the States. And we're talking about big marketing myths and also, you know, some marketing solutions, specifically for people who are in service-based businesses. So if you're a consultant, if you're a freelancer and you want to work out how you can sell to other businesses, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So Robin, to start with, tell us a little bit about you and your work, what you've been up to lately. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me here, Lauren. I'm super excited to be here and looking forward to answering all of the questions that come through today. So I have a background in B2B marketing in the tech industry. That's what I did for about 10 years before going out on my own. My company was acquired about three years ago, and I took that as a sign from the universe to start up my own consultancy, which was something that I had always wanted to do. So these days, I split my time between helping startups and B2B tech companies feel less confused about marketing and helping individual consultants and freelancers also feel less confused about marketing. So that's what I do in a nutshell. I love it. I love the wo- that you use the word confused because I feel like that is something that a lot of us do feel when it comes to marketing. We were just having a chat before we went live and I was saying to you like, yeah, I've been in the marketing game for like 10 years and I'm still learning stuff and there's still conflicting stuff out there about what totally. you need to do. Um, what are, let, let's start by talking about some of those big key things that people get confused about and some of those prominent myths that are out there when it comes to marketing yourself. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> so I think the, one of the biggest ones that I hear 
from people who are not in the marketing industry, especially. Um, so if they're coming from, you know, software development or client success or one of those other marketing adjacent industries where they've interacted with marketers on their teams, but they've not usually had to do marketing themselves. There's this kind of sense that marketing is magic. And if you just put yourself out there and you create your Instagram profile and, you know, write LinkedIn blog posts and, create a nice website and optimize it for SEO, then somehow that will all just sort of work magically. And and they will come. <laughs> I know, I mean, it's like it's 2020 and we're still dealing with this myth. Um, and these are, I mean, these are smart business people. So I suspect a lot of the reason for that is when you're not in the marketing industry, Think about the kind of marketing that you're exposed to. It's usually like consumer focused marketing by companies with really big budgets, or it's things that have happened to go viral either because they, you know, have a behind the scenes agency with a really big budget, or they got very, very lucky and won the viral lottery. So when most of what you're seeing is big budget, successful marketing, it can be really disillusioning when you try to do it for yourself and realize, oh, this is actually going to take me a while and it's going to be kind of a grind and I'm going to have to labor in silence for three to six months before anybody starts caring about what I have to say. So that is definitely, and, and you know what? I even, I fell prey to this myth too. I was totally overconfident when I started my business because I was like, I've been in marketing for 10 years. I've already got a personal brand. I've gone viral before I got this. And no, I had to start at the ground just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that luck thing because I definitely had that. Like I've got one YouTube video that just like went like sort of viral. Like, I don't right. think it's- you can't predict it. Like it's never what you think is going to go viral, is it? No, and it's not even that related to my business, which is frustrating. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it is kind of like uh, what I've observed is sometimes when you see those like consulting accelerator programs and things like that, they'll often like tell this story about like what they think made them successful. And I often find myself questioning and going, is that actually what made you mm. successful or are you kind of in retrospect thinking, oh, this is what it was, you know, like I've heard people say things like, oh, well, I had to do a thousand sales calls. And I'm like, well, I don't think you need to do a thousand sales calls. (laughs) God, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) So what, what do we actually need to do? Like you mentioned kind of looking at these like big organizations and going, well, they're doing that. Um, That must be best practices. Therefore I'll just do that. Um, What, what, does what what do we actually need to start thinking about and maybe let's start from that position of okay like you already have a business you already kind of have defined your offer uh but maybe you still haven't worked out well how do I best connect with my audience and this is the best way I grow my brand sort of what's the next steps that we need to take from there Mm -hmm. yeah so what I usually recommend to people and I find myself recommending this both to companies and individuals because it seems like almost nobody really puts enough thought into this, um, is to really get to know your ideal customer really, really well. And uh, here's what I mean by that, because you hear that term thrown around a lot in marketing, and I think that there, there's some confusion around what that actually means. So I recommend uh, basically this two-step process of first figuring out what is it about you 
your business, your strengths, your unique offering that provides a lot of value, like get really specific about that value for your clients. So if you are a marketing consultant, for example, with a background in B2B tech companies, <laughs> then um, I think for me, one of the things that I can do really well is help people start to make sense of their stories and figure out what parts of their stories are going to resonate with their audience. So whatever that is for you, and you might have to do some client interviews to figure this out. You know, you can't really, you can't get outside of your own head. So I definitely recommend talking to clients, talking to former colleagues, really trying to get a clear picture of the unique value and strengths that you provide. That's the first thing. The second thing is to figure out of your target audience, who cares a lot about that value? It's not just somebody who cares, but someone who cares a lot. And this is something I got from Stephanie Dunford, who is a fabulous positioning marketer. She's got a great Medium article called Obviously Awesome Positioning. And she I means she like she does talks and she consults and she's all over the place. If you Google her, you can find her. But she talks about an experience she had um, oh, she was she was building a database startup, I think. And originally, they thought they were going to be competing with companies like Oracle um, and going after customers who have large amounts of data to manage. And they kept on struggling and they kept on not really understanding how to position themselves correctly until they I don't remember exactly how she got to that breakthrough, but basically they realized their product was not so great at a lot of things that Oracle did. And so trying to compete against Oracle was a losing proposition for them. Mm -hmm. But what their product was really, really good at that Oracle at the time was not so good at was making sense of large amounts of data. And so they realized, oh, these are the companies, companies with huge data sets that they need to try and understand, try to analyze and, and make some actionable sense out of. Those are the people who are going to find us obviously awesome. So that's where the, the phrase obviously awesome positioning comes from. Um, so figure out what makes you obviously awesome and get to know those people really, really well. That's, that's what I would recommend, um, especially if you are at a phase in your business where you're established, but maybe you've mostly been relying on word of mouth. You have, you know, referrals and some steady income streams, but you're really trying to figure out what's the thing that's going to get me to that next phase of growth. How do I really start to build an audience and build some credibility you are going to have a much easier time if you know in advance what makes you obviously awesome to the people you're trying to reach. Yeah. And the other thing I heard you kind of say there was like, it's almost like you need to know what your weaknesses are. Like you actually need <laughs> yeah. to be like, this was a process that I kind of went through uh, recently, actually, where I just was like, I need to be, I need to be a bit humble you know, for a second. Mm. And I actually really need to be able to own up to like the fact that there's lots of brand strategists out there uh, they're probably actually doing a better job than me in a lot of ways, doing a bit of competitor research. And then I was able to go like, ah, oh, but what I'm seeing is like not a lot of people are offering this kind of mm -hmm. product. They're not sort of offering. And it was such a great turning point for me. to, And it started with being brave enough to go, I'm not good at everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally. okay to not be good at everything, right? I'm curious also about your thoughts on like collaboration because I think that's such an important piece in the B2B space as well. Like customers are looking for an end-to-end -end solution, but that doesn't mean that we need to provide every aspect of that end-to-end -end solution, mm -hmm. right? 
Totally. I, uh, it's funny. I actually just wrote about collaboration a couple of weeks ago in my newsletter. Yeah. So this yeah. topic is. I do that. I do that. Yeah. I, I think that's actually, um, that's another big myth in not just marketing, but in running your own business that I have fallen prey to that I see people fa- fall prey to somewhere, somewhere along the line. I don't know where we all got the idea that we have to do everything ourselves. That is just a surefire way to burn yourself out and stagnate in your business. Um, so whether that is knowing your own weaknesses and then hiring out somebody who can help you complement those or just like saying, you know what, that's not a core part of my business. So I'm going to pass on people who want that. Maybe I'll refer them to someone else in my network. Um, partnerships can really they can help you zero in on what you're best at. They can also they can introduce you to potential new clients. They can help you see yourself and your own offering in ways that you might not have thought of before. I'm a big fan of partnerships. I'm in year three of my business now, and it's really only been in the last six months that I've started to embrace this a lot more. And I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, why did I not do this? Like yeah. my first six months in, it would have made such a difference and saved me so much stress. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, like I'm four years in and I, I feel like exactly the same. <laughs> And, you know, this is the thing as well, right? Like we've both come from a B2B marketing background where we actually have a bit of, well, I mean, I feel like I have a bit, maybe you, you probably have a lot more of it, but like I was like I have a bit of knowledge here and it's still so hard. So like you mentioned before, for people who don't have a marketing background, I mean, firstly, like I think marketing itself can even feel like a dirty word, sort of like, oh, like yeah marketing like Mm -hmm. do I need to really do that uh you know so what what are some of the barriers you're seeing for people when it comes to taking that next step for growth and for Mm -hmm. actually putting themselves out there yeah I think I see oh man I see so many (laughs) the biggest one that comes to mind is the sense that I have to be on all the things Mm -hmm. there is just so much out there when it comes to marketing there's and there's like there's new stuff coming out every day you know like I didn't even know that TikTok existed until about nine months ago um that I guess I'm dating myself there um because I learned about it from a middle schooler it was one of those oh man was a moment but anyway so there's (laughs) there's um there's just so much out there to learn when it comes to marketing people can easily get overwhelmed and just feel like I don't even know where to start, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna move forward at all. Um, and what I would recommend to people is really just just pick one thing. Like ideally, it should be someplace where your audience hangs out. You know, if you're going after um, client success executives in the tech industry, TikTok and Instagram are probably not the best places for you. Um, but in general, like just pick one thing. And start with that, learn it well, get good at it. And don't worry about trying to be everywhere. Just go one place where your clients are and start small. That's what I would say um, to people who are really getting stuck in that kind of analysis paralysis mindset with marketing. I, um, I think another thing that I see a lot is the sense that I don't have anything original to say. And so people don't want to put themselves out there because they're afraid it's all been said before. And I I honestly, I think originality is overrated. So what if it's been said before? You're saying it now and not everyone has come across all of the other times that it's been said. So it's less about saying something brand new and unique and more about bringing your specific angle to it. 
Um, if you like, if you do a Google search on marketing best practices, you're going to find thousands and thousands of articles that are basically saying the same things over and over and over again. Um, and yet somehow those people are still running businesses and still getting traffic and um, still helping others. So put your spin on it. Sure. Like think about where, where your perspective is coming from. And that's going to be a lot more valuable than spinning your wheels, trying to figure out what is the, what is the one unique thing that you have to say that has never been said before. Give that up. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. Cause I think also we can sort of have this bias there because we, like one of the things that I say to people is I'm like, so you've spent 10 years in this field. So you know a lot about it. Like you've been, if we're talking about experts who are offering services, right? It's like, you know, a lot about your stuff, but the, your ideal client probably doesn't. You're, mm-hmm. Like if you're trying to say something fresh and new based on all the research and reading and knowledge and skills that you have, then you're actually really creating content for your peers, that's more like an almost like an academic pursuit. Like, how do I take this further? Like, how do I progress this industry or this niche? Right. And that not saying that that doesn't have value, but if you think about someone who might have spent ten minutes in their whole lives <laughs> looking at the stuff you spent ten years on, mm-hmm. there's a lot that you can say that's Absolutely. going to interest, right? Absolutely. I um. So I have. I mentioned this this newsletter I have, and it's funny. I um. It's basically just like a marketing tip every week, and I I find myself constantly going back to basics with it because I'm writing it for people who don't know much about marketing. And there's still, there's always something new to say. There's always a fresh perspective to offer. Like I haven't even, what what was I talking about? I think last week I was just talking about like, where do I even start? I haven't even scratched the surface of the stuff I learned in my first two years. (laughs) Um, So I love what you said about, about coming at it from the perspective of your target audience who probably doesn't know as much as you do. Um, And I guess I would just offer a few words of encouragement if you're in that position too. You know a lot more than you think you do. You really do. Like when you are surrounded by a topic and you build expertise in a topic, you start to just sort of um, start to take that knowledge for granted. But your clients won't. They will value it. And you might say something that you think is completely obvious and that any random person on the street would know, but chances are they don't. So don't undervalue your own expertise when you're trying to put yourself out there. You mentioned before uh, we were talking about sort of like you can't just build build it and expect people to come, right? You can't just put your shiny website up. You can't just put your content out there and things will things will happen. So what are the other things we need to be thinking about? Like if someone's like, well, I, I yeah, I, I have been doing the blog post and I have, I'm pretty happy with my website and how it's looking. What's off? I mean, I know it's going to be different for different people, but is there often a knowledge gap there at that point where people go, I think I I've got everything set up and I think I'm doing the right things, but nothing's, Mm. nothing seems to be really working for me. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, I do. I've, I've struggled with this myself before too. So I'm like solidarity. All right, guys, just going to take a quick break here to let you know for new listeners, especially that this podcast is an independent podcast and it's supported by you, the listener. So the way that you can support this podcast, if you haven't had a chance to take a look at this already is you can go and head over to Kofi. It's ko-fi.com forward slash Lauren Cress. And for the price of a cup of coffee once a month, you get all of the episodes I've done 
nearly up to 100 now, and all the episodes that I'll be recording this year. You'll get one episode every week this year uh, and we're going to be talking about all sorts of things that really, you know, my goal is that I want you to have access to information that other people are getting access to for thousands of dollars a month. I don't want you to have to pay thousands of dollars per month. I want this information to be available for free. And I go to the effort of interviewing lots of experts from a range of different fields because I'm not the only person who knows stuff, right? Like I have some stuff that I know, but it's to me it's really important to get information from other people and to expand our brains and our knowledge. So it costs money to make this podcast. At the moment, this podcast costs me more to make than I make from it. Um, but this is I'm playing a long-term game here and I believe in the kindness of people who are enjoying this. I believe in the soundness of people who go, yep, this is really valuable. I'm happy to pay $4 for it a month. So if that sounds like something you'd like to do, please head over to Kofi. Uh, the URL again is ko-fi.com forward slash Lauren Cress. Thanks so much for anything you can do. I really, really appreciate it. And without further ado, let's get back to the main part of this episode. At Sandy Spring Bank, we care about people, not transactions. So we concentrate on creating personalized solutions to start or grow a business that provides for your family, to purchase a home that will house the memories you make there, to save so you can enjoy today and then pass on your legacy to future generations. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash real. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think usually when I see that happen, it, you can, it's, it's easy to, when you're, when you're trying to get involved in marketing yourself for the first time, it's really easy to make yourself feel very busy. You can spend a lot of time on Twitter. You can spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. You can, you know, polish your website until it gleams. You can write a new blog post every week. You can, you can do all of these things and feel very busy and still not get the results that you're looking for. And often the reason is you haven't put enough thought into the overarching goal behind those activities that you're doing. So, I mean, you might say, well, I know my goal. I want to get more clients, duh. (laughs) (laughs) But you need to think a little bit, a little bit more like the strategic business person that you are in your, in your, um, you know, in your corporate work. And so if you, again, I'm going to go back to like, if you know your clients really well, figure out like, what is the purpose of all this marketing? Eventually it's to get a customer, but at first you probably just want to start getting someone to pay attention to you. So maybe, maybe building your list could be kind of an initial marketing goal that you set for yourself. Or maybe it's to reach a certain level of engagement and followers on LinkedIn. Really, I mean, that's going to depend on your audience. If you're not sure, defaulting to building a list is generally a good idea. Um, but whatever, whatever that first step looks like for you. So if you imagine like, okay, I, I have my website. I'm tweeting all the time. I'm writing every week on LinkedIn. I'm publishing blog articles. I'm, I'm on Medium. Like I'm doing everything. Um, You can do that collection of activities or you could do that collection of activities and say, I am doing these things 
in order to build my list. And that is going to completely change the approaches that you take. It's all the same activities, but suddenly instead of writing about random things that, that may be relevant, but they're not really connected to one another, you all of your content is guiding your audience toward this one thing that you're trying to get them to do. And you will start to see a big difference in the results that you're getting for the same level of activity. Mm, yeah, that's such such a great point. Like, I mean, one thing we've talked a bit about on this show, like we talk quite a lot about content marketing and sort of the, the importance of having a strategy behind what you're doing from a yes. content marketing perspective, um, rather than just throwing up content and kind of seeing what sticks. I mean, that's the cliche, right? Like I'll just pump out all this content. And what I see a lot of people do is they're just churning, like they're sort of churning and burning themselves out mm-hmm. instead of kind of going, all right, like for me at the moment I've just published a new ebook right and I'm like I know that that people like the ebook I've got good feedback about the ebook and when I initially promoted I got a few people to download the ebook straight away so I'm like that's a good sign but then I'm like okay now how do I amplify that how do I reach other audiences with that same piece and so because that's my goal my goal is like okay I want to start warming people up by giving them this communication piece that, I, that is quite valuable to my audience, then it's like, okay, where are all the places that I can go and how do I start to get that to happen? And when that's in my head, it's like the strategy for me anyway, I feel like it almost starts to click mm-hmm. and I can like feel it kind of be like, okay, these are all the things. And I have like so many ideas and I'm like, oh, these are all the things I can do, but they all relate to coming back to how do I get someone to download this ebook as like the first kind of the first kind of step instead of, yeah, like so much of that, so much of that stuff, like, oh, this is an interesting topic I'll talk about. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned before this idea of building your list. Can you explain a little bit more about what you you mean by that? Do you mean as in like a mailing list or, or what are you talking about? Oh, yes, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I was, I was honestly just thinking of an email list. Yeah. So a group of people who have opted in to hear stuff from you because they like what you have to say. That's about as much depth as I was thinking there. Um, so like for me, I have a newsletter um for some people they have you can have like just a freebie to get some names on your list so that you can communicate to them at semi-regular intervals about stuff that's going on like you don't have to have a newsletter necessarily in order to have a list um but i really i think email in you know it's not very shiny or sexy anymore it's sort of like the uh, god it's almost like the 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 gen xer in a room full of millennials and gen zers you know but I really, I think email is very underrated and very powerful because it's still one of the only digital channels around where people can really just raise their hand and say, yes, I want to not only hear from you, but I want to invite you into my inbox. Mm -hmm. Um, With LinkedIn groups, Facebook groups, Twitter, um, other social channels, you even, even when you're opting in to hear from somebody, you're going to like, you're going to be in their feed as part of many, many other things. But email is still, there's something extra personal about that. And so if you can get a list of um, even, you know, even just a few hundred people who regularly want to hear what you have to say, that can be a great jumping off point for amplifying your message, making additional sales, growing your brand, whatever it is that your goals are. 
And it's also a great way for like people who have clients, it is a great way to build word of mouth as well, isn't it? Because yeah. you're kind of staying top of mind to those existing clients and then Absolutely. giving them opportunities to kind of share you and what what you're about, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Email is not just for people that you want to become clients. It can be a really powerful way to keep, you know, maintain your credibility with existing clients, re-engage old clients that you may have worked with in the past, even just ask for a referral, remind your old clients that you're there so that when they encounter someone in their network who needs your services, they will think of you. Um, I, I love email. I, um, I really, I think it's such a, such a powerful tool that, um, a lot of people, it's just easy to overlook because there are so many other shinier technologies out there. Yeah, it's interesting. This has come up a few times on, on the show recently where, like, I mean, I've been I've been kind of really giving Facebook a hard time lately. Facebook is a multi-billion dollar <laughs> company. I don't think they care. But I'm they'll just survive. like, <laughs> they'll survive. Like, I mean, a little bit, yeah, it's fine. But, like, to me, fa- this whole thing around, like, Facebook ads and using Facebook as a way to drive conversion uh, specifically from, like, things like company pages and then doing ads and stuff, like to me, I'm just like with what I've played around with and what I've tried, I'm like organic LinkedIn has worked way better for me than paid Facebook. Hmm. Um, I'm like that could partly be my skill set and like what I naturally feel like I'm better able to do. But Facebook is kind of the sexy thing, right? Like I'll put a Facebook ad out and I'll generate leads from that and then I'll, and then you kind of go, but these leads aren't any good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> is yeah. that, I mean, is that your experience? Am I being biased? Uh, you know, no, I've had actually a really similar experience. I, I do, I have a Facebook page for my business, but it's super neglected. I actually like just a couple weeks ago, I put a little note on there saying like, if you really want to engage with me, I'm a lot more active on Twitter. Go find me over there. Um, Twitter is my preferred channel. I just, I love the immediacy of it. I really enjoy Twitter chats. Um, I think for Facebook, there's something very appealing about all of that data that they have, right? They really, they make it sound like you can reach just about anybody. Um, But I think like people are not, they're not on Facebook to be doing business for the most part. They're not in that frame of mind. Uh, and I basically what I tell people who are looking at investing in Facebook advertising is it can work, but it tends to be better for people with a B2C audience and people who have lots of money to learn how to work the algorithm. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have both of those things, then you're probably going to have a bad time. Yeah. Well, That's I my wanted- take on Facebook. I, I think that like it's a really good point. Like I always worry about like budget. I'm like you've got to have a decent ad spend like and you've got to be willing to lose that spend yeah. like, any return on investment. Yep. Which just a lot of us aren't in a position to do at the moment, right? Like, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you can't just throw 100 bucks behind an ad and hope to get something quality out of it. Please, please. So I want to kind of finish off because we're going to finish up soon, but I want to finish off by asking you for some tips tips and some actions that people can kind of take away from this. Now, there's two things that you've mentioned that I think, you know, both are super important for people who want to market themselves the right way. So the first one is from the the building the list perspective. And the second one is about Twitter. I'm really curious about your thoughts on that. So let's start with building the list. You've mentioned like, even if you get a few hundred people on your list, sometimes those first few hundred can be the hardest. So mm-hmm. how do people kind of start to invite people in? Because essentially we're inviting them to 
to be part of our community really right so mm-hmm. how do we how do we do that are there certain words we want to use certain sort of tactics we can use there yeah so i i struggled with this a lot when i was first starting out i i remember feeling this pressure to appear immediately successful. And so that made it really hard for me to ask my network for things. And now I will tell people, just get over that, get over yourself, ask for help and tell your network what you're up to. They are connected with you for a reason. They want to see you succeed for the most part. 99% of them want to see you succeed. The other 1% don't matter. So if you're starting a mailing list, if you have a new a new opt-in freebie, whatever it is that you're doing to try and grow your list, tell everyone that you know about it. And that can be a great way to get your first 50 people or so, and then invite them to share. So like um, if you're sending out a newsletter, make sure you include a, you know, a call to action to share it. Sorry, that's yeah. my cat hair floating around on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm>, Bella. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's sleeping now, so I won't disturb her. Um, it's a, it's a feature of video calls with me. I call it a perk. <laughs> totally a perk. She's very cute. <laughs> um, I think so. It's a good thing, too. Um, so anyway, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to tell people what you're up to. Like I said, they want they want to help you succeed, and they feel good when they can help you succeed. So if you're brand new, that is the very first thing that you should do once you get your once you get your offer in order. Um, and then consistency is key. Like it's so boring, it's so cliched, but it's really true in this case. Just show up every week, provide some value, connect with other people who might be interested in that value, find out like, where are they hanging out? Are they on LinkedIn? Are they in Twitter chats? Are they, maybe, some of them are in Facebook groups. I've been hearing good things about Facebook groups. So I, I don't know, again, seems more B2C, but you never know. Um, Guest posting is still, it's, uh, I feel like that's so 2010, but it it can still be a thing being a guest on podcasts. um, Like you really, you're going to have to put some sales muscle into it. You're going to have to find some, um, like some influential people who could potentially help you share your message, learn how to quickly describe the value that you're offering um, and get yourself in front of uh, some people with audiences that you can borrow. I feel like I just said a lot of disconnected stuff there. Um, no, no, no. You take it, one thing it, away. It's ask for help. <laughs> ask for help. I love it. I love it. Now, just before we go, because I'm really curious about this as well, like Twitter is something that, and I don't know if this is an Australia thing because we have a much smaller population, but it feels like for me, like when I'm talking politics, <laughs> happening. If I start talking business, it's like crickets, you know, like mm-hmm. one person likes it, one person shares it, no mm-hmm. comments. I'm like, am I doing something wrong? What, how do we kind of get people to engage with us in conversation on Twitter? Have you got any sort of advice for us there? Um, so I, I'm a little bit biased because I, I've been on Twitter for gosh, like 11 or 12 years. And I love it. I've always kind of loved Twitter. And so I think that affects the way that I bring myself to it. Um, But I, so there's actually a chat every Thursday that I have been joining and really enjoying called Freelance Chat. Um, And I see now I follow some of these people now and I see them participating in other chats. There's one for content marketing. There's one for remote work. There's one for paid search. There's a whole bunch of them out there. and I've found that a really great way to connect with fellow freelancers and um, build a little bit of community online for myself. I also, 
So I, I, I will, full disclosure, I'm not actively using Twitter as a direct lead generator for me. It's really more about building my brand and building my community. And I have gotten some newsletter signups that way. And in the past, I've gotten some clients that way who have found me on Twitter, but I'm not engaging on Twitter with the deliberate mindset of, I want to get new leads out of this. It's more, this has, this is beneficial for my business. This is a way to meet like-minded people and build a community and trust that if I do this and if I continue to provide value, that is going to lead to good business opportunities down the road, even if I don't exactly know how that, like what shape that's going to take yet. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's very similar to how I use LinkedIn as well. And actually even with my podcast show, like I've gotten clients from my podcast, but it's not really my objective. I'm not like, how do I convert a guest into a, into a, I know some people do that. I'm like, no, like that's not my, that's not my bag. Like that's not what I'm about. But sometimes it's just through like having that connection with people that all these old people refer because they go, Oh, I met this person on her show. Like you should chat because I think you guys would get along, you know? So um, it's interesting. Like, I think there's so much power in conversation, but the hard thing about it is like, you know, the strategist in our mind is going like, wait, but what's the strategy behind it? I know it's true. It's true. (laughs) And uh, like total, like real talk, unpopular opinion here, the stuff that has consistently performed the best for my business in terms of marketing, both in my corporate roles and as a business owner now, has always been the stuff that is really freaking hard to measure. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the thing, I know, I know. It's like, it's sort of the thing that's also, and I, you know, I really appreciate your openness here because I think these are the things that don't get talked about a lot. It's like you said before, like being vulnerable, being able to admit like, oh, I, I did this and it didn't work. And I've done the same thing. I'm like, don't do this because I did this and it really yep. stuck up for me, you know. And I just think it's so much more valuable because so much of what we see out there is like, especially in the entrepreneurship side of this, right? Like with that real entrepreneurial energy, I love the entrepreneurial community. Don't get me wrong, but there can be, especially in the early days because of our insecurity, it's like, I need to be shiny. I need to be perfect. I don't want to admit that I'm making any mistakes or Mm -hmm. my business is struggling or that I didn't make any like sales this month. Like I don't want to say any of that. So I'm just going to be like, yep, it's all good. And (laughs) uh, do this thing that I'm telling you to do. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I felt that exact same pressure and, um, it didn't serve me. I think I would, it would have served me a lot better if I had just been honest about the fact that I was just starting and needed some new clients. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, this has been an awesome chat, Robin. Thank you so much for your time. If people want to find out more about you, the work you're doing, um, get in touch, maybe have a conversation with you on Twitter, <laughs> what's the best way for them to to reach out? Yeah, well, thanks for asking. So you can see my name here, Robin Kanji. My website is just robinkanji.me. Um, I'm also on Twitter as Robinula. So uh, again, just search for my name. That's probably the easiest thing or a little hack. This is something um, this happened totally by accident, but it's kind of awesome. If you search for one minute pitch examples, my website will come up as uh, number two or number three. So, oh, nice. I know, well right? It's, it was totally <laughs> random. It's because of some ancient thing I did like three years ago. And then I was looking at my analytics and I was like, what? 
So. <laughs> See, this is the accidental viral yep. thing. So mine, if people want to find me, the easiest way to find me, well, they can look up my name or if they look up the drama triangle, my video is like <laughs> nice. number one video. And I'm like, I did it to test out some software and it just went like crazy. So it's funny. It's great when those things happen, but like I would not be able to tell people how I did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, I, I literally did nothing. Like I put it up and then I my business went in a different direction. <laughs> and then three years later, I come back and I'm like, oh, look at that. I better put a redirect so that there's something relevant there. <laughs> well, Robin, thanks so much again. I'll make sure I put the link in the description here as well. We didn't get questions during our live, but if people have questions after if you're watching this on replay, make sure you put them in the comments because Robin can always come back and answer them later on as well. So Thank you everyone for listening and for anyone who does want to ask questions, please do that. Such an important part of what what I'm about and what we do here. Robin, thanks again and uh, have an awesome evening because it's evening over there. It is evening. Thank you, Lauren. And uh, happy spring. I'm jealous. (laughs) I'm very happy. All right. Thanks, everyone. See you later. Bye. All right, guys. That's it from me for today, the end of season four. I wish you a very safe and healthy and happy week. Take care of yourself. Be compassionate with yourself and be compassionate with other people as well. It's it's a tall order sometimes. It's really hard sometimes when we're seeing the destruction and the violence and the nastiness of some people out there. But I believe that the way forward is for us to really try to understand that, not tolerate it, but understand it so that we can move forward, we can help bring positive change into the world. So that's it from me. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with your friends. Please consider leaving a positive rating and review. And until next time, remember that sharing your talents with the world will make it a better place. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means six flags in the taste of an ice cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99.